In Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a special episode of the Vine Pair Podcast, where today I've got two fantastic guests. The first is Arnaud Bourgeois, who's the owner and winemaker at Henri Bourgeois in Sancerre and the co-president of the Association of Winemakers of the Centre Loire. Arnaud, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be with you today. Fantastic. We'll get to our second guest in just a moment, but Arnold, can you tell me a little bit about your own background? Kind of, it seems to me that every time I interview a winemaker from France, they're you know part of a long lineage of, of winemakers and grape growers, and I know that's no different for you. So can you tell me a little bit about your, your own background in wine? Sure, sure. So I grew up here in Chavignol, which is uh, very close to Sancerre, right in the center, actually, of the appellation Sancerre, together with my family. Uh, my family has been making wine for 10 generations. So I grew up here, then I studied uh, viticulture and enology in uh, Burgundy. Uh, so I've learned to uh, make Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir, but also some uh, Chardonnay as well, even though we don't grow much of Chardonnay in the Centre mm-hmm. Noir. Then I traveled around the world to discover uh, a lot of wine regions. I'm completely passionate in uh, any wine of any region. Uh, so I work here uh, with my family uh, for 30 years. <laughs> and um, so it's quite a polyvalent role that we're all having together with my uh, brother and my cousin. We cultivate vines in Sancerre and Puy-Fumé mainly. And uh, we do also make a bit of uh, wines from uh, other regions like Quincy and Menetou Salon. Very cool. And our second guest today is uh, joining us from, I believe, from New York City, uh, and that's Yannick Benjamin of Beaupierre Wines and Contento Restaurant, co-founder of Wine on Wheels, and, should be noted, a 2021 Vine Pair Next Wave Award winner. Yannick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, Zach. Yeah, our pleasure, too. So I did I did uh, mention where you are, but can you talk a little bit about your own background in wine, kind of how you came to the wine industry, and, and maybe a little bit about what you're doing right now? Yes, absolutely. Um, so... Uh... I recently opened up a wine store um, on November 10th, 2022, um, and I had the honor and privilege and the good fortune to be able to open up this wine store in the same exact uh, building that I grew up in. So it's a real family affair, um, which is very hard to do in New York City. And so it's amazing to come back full circle. My parents live right above the store. My sister lives a building over. So it's really, really great. And this is a, a project with me and my wife. And then I have a restaurant that I opened in June 2021 called Contento, and the cuisine is predominantly uh, Peruvian. The chef is from Lima. And so that's a lot of fun to uh, pair wines with that type of cuisine. And then I have a, a nonprofit uh, called Wine on Wheels, where uh, we're actually going to have our first event in four years uh, since the pandemic. And all of the money um, that we raise for that is to support people with disabilities right here in New York City. Uh, we have about 50 different uh, restaurants that participate, over 60 sommeliers, and uh, it's just a really great event uh, to bring awareness and educate um, just the mass public about people with disabilities. Fantastic. Well, I thank you both for joining us, and and now let's get a little bit to the matter at hand here. And Arnaud, let's start with you. You know, you mentioned that you're in Chevignol and that you're within kind of right in the heart of the Sancerre region. But for our listeners who are not as familiar with the Centre Loire, can you kind of tell us where in France we are and a little bit about the region around? Sure. So we are situated exactly at 200 kilometers south of Paris. So if you draw a diagonal from northwest to southeast and another one from northeast to southwest, we are right at the crossroad of this diagonal. 
So the main cities around us would be Orleans or Nevers or Bourges, which is about 40, 50 kilometers from us. So we are just on the left and right side of, uh, of the Loire River, uh, depending if you are in Sancerre or in Puy-Fumé. Fantastic. And, you know, obviously the Loire River is a huge defining feature of the region. And we'll get a little more into the wines themselves in just a moment. But I want to kind of just sort of set the landscape a little more for people. What what does the surrounding area look like? Are we talking about um, kind of a flatter kind of river delta, hills, like kind of paint us a picture? Well, the Centre Loire region is basically made with uh, uh, quite a lot of hills and terraces, depending where you are. Well, if we speak about Sancerre, actually, I'm seated right here in the winery. In front of me, there is a huge hill, which is called the Damped Mountain, for example. So it has been created, all these hills, uh, back uh, in uh, the secondary and tertiary era. Um, so when uh, the sea left uh, the region, we're talking of 65 million years ago, uh, it left uh, some sediments and uh, some very hillsides thanks to a very important uh, um, movement of the ground uh, tectonic mm-hmm. plate, which created the relief that we are having in the center of France. So it's everything but flat, that's for sure. <laughs> and that's uh, uh, actually amazing uh, place because you are not in the massive central, but it looks like a little bit the massive central with vines planted on the south, southwest, southeast facing slopes. And the rest uh, would be planted uh, with native. And on top of these hills, uh, on the plateau, we would have cereals uh, because historically cereals and vines have been uh, a combined agricultural activity which uh, was practiced by most of the family uh, here in Sancerre. And then just one last kind of question about the region, and then we'll talk more um, specifically about some of the wines is, you know, for our listeners who are familiar with Sancerre, they'll know that it's, you know, kind of predominantly uh, planted to Sauvignon Blanc and then Pinot Noir on the red side. But what are some of the other grape varieties that um, people can find in the Centre Loire more generally? Well, of course, Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir represent the most important part of uh, what we find in the Centre Loire. But otherwise, we find also uh, some uh, Pinot Gris. Uh, we we do have a little bit of uh, um, Chardonnay as well. Um, we do have uh, a gamay of uh, uh, the appellation Chateau Meillon, for example, where we cultivate a bit of red, but the percentage obviously is not that big. But uh, interesting wines that we produce as well from gamay and Pinot Gris but also Chardonnay from the region of Centre-Loire. Very cool. Okay, so Yannick, let's let's come back to the States here for a moment and talk a little bit about some of these wines in a, in a restaurant setting, in a wine shop setting. So, you know, I think within the Appalachians and the wines of the Centre-Loire, you have kind of a couple of different ways to look at this. And we'll talk a little more about Sancerre specifically because, again, for many of our listeners, that will be, if they're familiar with a region, just one region uh, or Appalachian from this region, it will be Sancerre. But when we're talking about some of these other Appalachians, you know, Puy-Fumé, some of the others, when you're talking about wines made from grapes that people are very familiar with, but where they may not be super familiar with the Appalachian itself. How do you kind of talk about those wines? How do you get people as excited about them as they might be about uh, something from an Appalachian that they're more familiar with? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think there are two things that really works in the favor uh, for this particular region. One, it's Sancerre, right? I mean, I think it's, uh, gosh, I mean, it just kind of, uh, it's on the tip of everybody's tongue. And it's still the one region where there's such demand for, especially uh, opening up the wine store. It was just um, eye-opening to hear how many people ask for Sancerre and then the grape Sauvignon Blanc. So I think having that as, you know, um, a reference point is really key. And so, yes, of course, these smaller appellations that we're talking about um, are definitely maybe off the grid for a critical mass. But I think having a strong um, understanding of what Sancerre is, of that particular area around it, and understanding Sauvignon Blanc, I think is a very good way to start off and really connect with the, with critical mass and uh, wine lovers in general. And that's what I really try to do. So if I do carry any of these smaller appellations that maybe unknown, I definitely use um, Sancerre as sort of a, a reference point. That makes total sense to me. And I think it's probably understandable to, again, to listeners, yeah, it gives you, if nothing else, a frame of reference. So let's talk a little bit more, Arno, about the the wines there that are made there, because I think, you know, we'll, again, we'll talk about um, some of the specific wines, but stylistically, or kind of what defines in your eyes, the wines of the Central Loire, if we were to talk about sort of unifying characteristics, uh, things that seem to be to hold true kind of across some of these different uh, appellations and terroirs, like what is it that defines the wines of the region in your eyes? Well, uh, first of all, we all know that Sauvignon Blanc is cultivated uh, all over the world, basically in most of the most important countries which produce wine. And uh, what we will want to produce, what we believe uh, we can express from the Centre Loire region is a Sauvignon Blanc, but not only the pure expression of the Sauvignon Blanc. So I would uh, easily use words like uh, minerality, like uh, elegance, like finesse, like freshness, because that's uh, typically uh, the style of the wine that we produce from our region. And it's something to do with uh, uh, what is uh, uh, naturally existing in terms of soil types, but also the climate. We are in the center front. We're not very uh, um, close to uh, the, the Mediterranean Sea. That means that the climate is more continental. Uh, that means that uh, we have uh, um, often probably um, an exposure to the sun, which is less wines with less alcohol and a better acidity when we pick the fruits, even uh, if aromatically they are ripe. So thanks to this uh, uh, gift of nature, the Sauvignon Blanc that we produce uh, here in the appellation Sancerre and Puy-Fumé and the Centre Loire in general, would be expressing this freshness, this fi finesse, and also the mineral character, which is a, a big identity. It's definitely the DNA of our Sauvignon Blanc here. And do you feel like that sort of freshness and minerality carries across not just uh, the 10 different appellations of the Central Loire, but, but across even to some of the other styles of wine? I mean, I, I know that there's, uh, as we mentioned before, obviously some red wine made both from Pinot Noir and, and Gamay, as you mentioned, and then um, I believe also probably some sparkling wine. Like, is that something that you think someone picking up a bottle from any kind of anywhere within the region from almost any style of grape, that, that minerality, that kind of freshness, that purity is going to come through through that? 
Very much so, actually. Even in the Pinot Noir, sometimes we are very surprised to have this uh, very mineral character. So for Pinot Noir, we never use uh, really the, the word minerality uh, when we speak about uh, the expression of, of this grave uh, variety. But uh, in, uh, in uh, the Centre Loire, uh, we often do. Of course, uh, from the Loire region in general, uh, we also aim to produce wine with uh, um, an easy going um, drinkability, I would say. So uh, juicy, with a lot of fruitiness, uh, a good concentration, very charming, very seducing. But on top of that, again, the complexity comes from uh, the mineral characters that we pick from the various types of soil uh, which cover the Central Loire. So maybe that's uh, another question for later about the different types of soil. But, uh, we are very... Oh, I've got it on the list. Don't okay, worry. Good. <laughs> Yannick, I want to come back to you for a moment because I, I think that some of what Arnaud was talking about is, is so resonant to, I think maybe to you and to me as you know, wine professionals. When you hear a producer or, or someone from a region talk about these you know, kind of drinkability, freshness, minerality, like... As whether you're looking at it from the context of a restaurant, um, maybe even when paired with Peruvian food, or potentially just at, in the wine shop, kind of something to take home. Like, is that or how do you kind of convey that message to guests, to customers, and kind of get them excited? Not that I think those all sound like very appealing qualities to me. So it's not that you have to do a lot besides say that, but like, how do you kind of translate that into uh, a, a sale, for lack of a better way of putting it? For sure. Um, what, I mean, certainly I can speak on the American market. The palate has definitely evolved and people are looking for freshness and they're looking for uh, uh, more fruits uh, are, that are tart. So typically, you know, maybe 15 years ago, you're talking about more on the jammier side, more full bodied, uh, more oak, more vanilla presence. And now people are looking for more of an angular kind of linear style. And so that's a really big advantage for this part of the wine world um, here in the, the center of the Loire Valley, where these wines really offer this kind of saltiness to it, um, these more cranberry rhubarb aromas when we're talking about Gamay Pinot Noir. But even when we talk about rosé, I mean, gosh, um, the quality of rosé in the Loire Valley, I mean, you know, and in, in this area too, it's just out of this world. Um, certainly rivals some of the best in Provence. I mean, typically everyone would come in and say, hey, I want a, a rosé from Provence. Now you can easily show, hey, well, if you like those wines, maybe you want something even a bit more delicate, fresher, more uh, more salinity to it. What about this Pinot Noir from this part? Uh, you know, right away, and people love it. And then once they try it, they can't have enough of it. And so that is really what's happening. That's sort of what I have seen. And, and I think it's to the advantage of a place like this where people are looking for the crunchy red fruit. Absolutely. So, Arno, let's, let's as you kind of were alluding to a moment ago, let's kind of expand our, our view out a little bit. Because as, as is perhaps understandable, it's easy to focus on the best known appellations. But can you talk a little about some of maybe the other appellations in the Centre Loire? And if they're, to your eyes, defined you know, kind of through whether it's the specific geography or whether it's the sort of soil composition, how do we kind of set some of these individual appellations apart? And in some cases, I think you mentioned maybe uh, even the specific varieties they focus on perhaps outside of that more uh, dominant Sauvignon Blanc Pinot Noir uh, paradigm for most of that region. Yeah, first of all, we have in common uh, the uh, limestone, the the calcareous uh, type of soil, and it's uh, a very uh, important um, 
common point uh, because it has a direct uh, positive impact on the style of the wines. So I'm not saying that when you drink a Sancerre, you drink a Pouilly Fumé or Quincy or Menet to Salon because they would have their own personality and expression. But because of this uh, common technical uh, aspect, um, it brings a certain expression already when you drink them uh, very much in common. First of all, I would like to mention that Sancerre is only 3,000 hectares and uh, Pouilly Fumé is uh, 1,200. Uh, Menu to Salon, for example, we're talking of 600, Quincy 300, uh, a little bit more than that. But, you know, we're talking of very small appellations. So um, we are all on top of each other, I would say. We are all gathered together in a very small area. Uh, if you see what I mean, it takes only like an hour to go to Quincy from Sancerre, and it takes another 30 minutes to go to uh, Chateaumeyon, for example. So, of course, uh, that means that those appellations uh, componing the Central Loire are in common very much uh, the, the, the main style that we can find in the Sauvignon Blanc, in the, the Pinot Noir and the Gamay, uh, as uh, we, it comes to Chateaumeyon. So I hope it does answer your question, but uh, we can uh, individually find uh, authenticity and a, a very specific expression on each of these different terroirs uh, and appellations in Menetou Salon, Quincy, and uh, Sancerre, Puy Fumé, but in general, they would first of all express more or less the same character. And in terms of winemaking, they are all made with more or less the same method. And by the law, um, we cannot have residual sugar in our wine. That means that they dry. They dry and fruity. They dry and crispy. Um, they are very generous in flavors. So in a way, they uh, kind of look like the same or taste like the same um, for the Sauvignon Blanc and uh, for the Pinot Noir. Even though in Sancerre, for example, thanks to the fact that the relief is a little bit more uh, accentuated, I would say, we have wines with uh, um, stronger personality, with probably uh, bigger muscles, uh, with more power, with also a potential of aging for those who like to age. Also, the finesse that we can expect after a few months, a few years from appellation like Sancerre and Pouilly Fumé would be probably um, going to a different dimension. Uh, knowing that we like to drink Quincy and the Toussalon when they're a bit younger because they're expressing such wonderful and intense flavors. And I have to kind of ask a, a little bit of a follow-up here because I'm curious, Arno, you know, you're talking about the relative um, size of the various appellations, talked a lot at the beginning about sort of the landscape. To me, that sort of would lead me to believe that probably what we're looking at throughout the Central Loire is a lot of smaller vineyards, family-owned operations, a lot of grower producers, things like that. Is that kind of accurate? Is is it mostly kind of a, a family-run uh, enterprise in the Central Loire? Absolutely. We're talking on 6,000 hectares in total that the Central Loire region covers. Uh, we're talking of 600 uh, wine growers, winemakers. So the average size of uh, each uh, um, vineyard, I would say, is quite small, as you can understand. And it's also a part of the soil uh, that we find in the Central Loire. 
um, basically uh, most of uh, uh, the wine form um, they are um, in the hands of uh, the generation which have been uh, in the region for ages. They know very much their soil, their subsoil, the terroir, uh, the, the different climate difficulties, uh, the advantages as well. So, which is definitely a plus. They know their land by heart. They know all the subtleties. And uh, of course, we're still learning, though. So, uh, we, we learn every year because of the uh, global warming, which uh, give us uh, some new challenges. But basically, we're talking of uh, um, small um, size of vineyard and wineries, uh, uh, which uh, represent like a, a composition of plenty different families knowing each other and creating a stimulation between each other. Yannick, I want to come back to something that Arnaud was mentioning a, a moment ago, talking about Sancerre. And, and I think if it's also something that uh, comes up with some of the other appellations, I would love to hear that too. But I, I always found it interesting when, when looking at something, a region like Sancerre, where people, you know, you said, come in, they have this this great desire to drink Sancerre. It's it's top of mind for a lot of wine drinkers. And yet I think there's a, a maybe a misunderstanding among a lot of the drinking public about Sancerre that the kinds of views views it as sort of all one the same thing. And yet I think we see that within the appellation and maybe from producer to producer, there's actually a lot of variation, you know, whether that's driven by the specific soils of an individual vineyard site or to some extent maybe the production method can you maybe explain for for listeners kind of how you talk about Sancerre in particular and, and how you kind of explain to people that actually this region that they're very excited about has even more complexity than they might be aware of? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question and, uh, and an important one. I think for a long time, um, the the wine consumer just kind of had this one stylistic kind of um, idea of what Sauvignon Blanc was, right? I think a lot of that had to do with uh, a lot of mass production that was happening um, on the South Island of Marlboro, um, which, you know, on one hand was a good thing. It definitely, you know, put Sauvignon Blanc on the forefront and definitely embedded that into people's brains. On the other hand, you know, everyone just had this kind of conception that, well, it was either jalapeno, fresh cut grass, grapefruit, citrus, you know, all the kind of, uh, you know, aromas that we, we certainly associate it with. And, you know, very rarely did we ever associate Sauvignon Blanc with terroir, right? But certainly, again, this is changing. Um, as time goes on, more and more people have become more educated and are understanding that, yes, there's a certain style that comes from Marlboro. There's a certain style of Sauvignon Blanc that comes from Stellenbosch. There's a certain style that comes from uh, Napa, right? All different personalities. And now when you even break it down into kind of micro appellations, people are starting to understand that even in a place like Sancerre, you know, it changes village to village. And so Sauvignon Blanc is no different than how Chardonnay is grown in Chablis because Chablis is a small little village, right? And it's grown predominantly on the same soils. And if you go from one vineyard to another, the actual grape expresses itself quite differently. And also, it's also dependent on the winemaker as well, whether they want to put a small percentage of new oak when they harvest, so on, so on, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, you know, really having that explanation to people, I think it's really up to the sommeliers, to the to the cavies, to the, the people that are involved with wine to really educate themselves, to do the research, and then to be able to distill that and really explain that to the guests themselves. But I think um, more than ever, 
um, gosh, uh, consumers are so educated. So if you give them the right, you know, terminology and you explain it to them and you break it down, they're there to listen and they understand it and they get it. Arno, I want to pick up on something that you were talking about a moment ago, I think specifically with maybe some of the challenges that climate change is presenting to growers and and producers in the Central Loire and and talk more generally about how things might have been changing over the last couple of decades, you know, whether that's uh, changes that are being made in the vineyards, in the wineries, or just more generally kind of whether, and again, whether that's about climate change or just other things, you know, how have some of these, um, you know, generations long businesses and enterprises been changing of late? Because I always find that fascinating that even though sometimes we have, a, a, I think, almost a bad habit of looking at these uh, regions and, and Appalachians as being sort of static and unchanging, it's true that beneath the surface, there is a lot of change happening, I think, in a lot of these places, whether uh, by driven by necessity by the weather or driven by a new generation coming along and saying, hey, I want to make these changes or, or do something a little different than maybe my parents did. So uh, is that going on in the Central Loire as well? Yes, I really believe so. Uh, first of all, um, of course, like uh, in uh, um, most regions, wine regions in France, uh, the, produ- the producers used to be uh, influenced just after the Second World War by, um, you know, the necessity to produce uh, because uh, they didn't have the choice. They had to really make a living. And uh, so... Um, they uh, focused more on how they could produce, uh, of course, in the best way. But I would say that uh, the last 30, 20 years, uh, they, uh, had been, uh, they have been a concern on how can I uh, grow in a probably a more clever way um, as it comes to the environment, uh, as it comes to the... Uh, the vines, how can I offer the best conditions to the vines to produce um, good quality fruits, healthy fruits, because uh, um, thanks to the new um, technology, but I would say with uh, knowledge that we have uh, in viticulture and enology, we know that uh, uh, the vine is uh, uh, the basic of everything, is the base, sorry, of everything. If we do not have a very good quality uh, fruit, it would not be possible to make a, a top quality wine, I would say a premium wine. So um, there, there have been uh, probably a more uh, um, a will of the wine growers, the local wine growers, to pay attention to uh, the vineyard, particularly probably the last 20 years. And uh, uh, we realized since 2003, which have been a very uh, hot vintage, uh, um, that uh, the production, the style of the wine uh, can be or could be affected if we do not do anything. Um, but uh, we also realize, on the other hand, that uh, in a region like uh, uh, the Centre Loire, um, even if we have a, a global warming that we have noticed, uh, that's for sure, uh, the wines are still showing the main characteristics that they have been uh, showing uh, since a long time. We still have freshness, we still have minerality, and without really changing radically uh, a lot of uh, our practices in the vineyard, it's just uh, due to the fact that uh, we spend probably much more time in the vineyard looking after the vineyard, understanding what the vines need at a, a proper moment of the year 
Um, and I think it's very good. Otherwise, uh, in uh, our region, um, we have uh, uh, all uh, invested uh, also a lot of money in having a proper equipment in the winery to um, make wine uh, in the best conditions. Like, for example, uh, we uh, now are able to refrigerate the vat to uh, make sure we uh, uh, control the temperature of the fermentation, for example, which is important because we all know that during an alcoholic fermentation, the temperature is going to uh, uh, go up. And if we want to express the terroir, we need the temperature to uh, keep the, 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 the alcoholic fermentation at a certain level, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I really believe that uh, there have been a lot of efforts here in the Centre Loire to control the quality, to increase the quality, and precisely uh, in the vineyard. And it has uh, offered, I believe, uh, a production of wines at an uh, even more premium level. Fantastic. Okay, Yannick, so we've talked a lot about the wines, we've talked a lot about some of the characteristics, even just now, Arno was talking about, you know, freshness and minerality and all these things that are just like, like, they're like flashing lights for a sommelier to say, okay, this is, these are great wines to pair with food. So can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the classic pairings for these wines? And then, you know, if you have some other favorites that maybe go beyond that classic sort of central law paradigm into other cuisines or other foods, I would love to hear them as well. Well, for me, I think the most important rule to follow um, is to make sure that the um, the wine is bigger than the actual dish, right? So that the dish doesn't overwhelm the wine. That's really the, my an important rule that I try to follow and try to stay strict with. Um, there was a great restaurant that was open for a couple of years in Paris. And, and what you would do is you would order the glass of wine and they would construct the dish based on that bottle or a glass of wine that you ordered, which was really crazy. Uh, it was kind of a cool concept, but obviously not sustainable. But that would be <laughs> the ideal situation, clearly. But, you know, of course, you know, traditional um, uh, uh, cuisine to go with these types of wines, you know, lighter, you know, uh, you would go with something, you know, seafood based or uh, white meats, you know. Uh, and I think uh, the key is when you have a great bottle of wine or a great glass of wine, um, when you have the actual dish or the food, simplicity is what you need. As long as you get great ingredients, right, um, they're going to really complement each other um, to the fullest. And so that's really key. But I, you know, to go kind of off the grid, generally speaking, I love, absolutely love like Persian and Arab food, you know, um, Turkish cuisine with uh, a great Sauvignon Blanc or even a great Pinot Noir Gamay, you know, they really complement each other. All these fresh vegetables, slightly charred, um, really just kind of complement each other really beautifully. Lebanese cuisine is another great option too as well. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, if you wanted to go sushi or even ramen, um, the ramen with uh, the high levels of uh, salinity, the saltiness that you go there, go that, that it has, goes really well with the saltiness and salinity of the Sauvignon Blanc that you would find in the Central Loire or even the Pinot Noir too as well. Uh, so things of that nature, I think, especially, um, you know, Eastern Asian cuisine, I think is a really a beautiful match made in heaven um, because there's such a delicate component to it. But again, mm. we're in season. It's, it's, you know, fresh vegetables. Get a couple of fresh vegetables. Don't overthink it. Um, you know, just keep it simple and and pair it with those, uh, with those wines and you're going to find the really perfect pairing. Fantastic. 
I want to leave us with this last kind of question, because one of the things that I love doing when we have the opportunity to talk to people from uh, wine regions, particularly in Europe, but but anywhere that's not here in Seattle for me, is to think about what a visit might be like, kind of understand what the what coming to, to the Centre Loire would be like. And, and I know you talked a little bit about, you know, where we are, what some of the cities are, but what is it? What is visiting the region like? What are some of the other things to do? Not that drinking wine is a bad reason to go visit a region. I do it lots of the time. But if someone were to think about kind of a, a trip that involves some wine and some other activities, what else is there to kind of do in the region? Well, in the, the region of the Centre Loire, there are plenty activities which can be done. First of all, in any um, boutique or place where you want to buy food, meat, bread, or patisserie, whatever, you know, um, there is always a very good uh, welcome atmosphere. This is a region where people are so happy to have visitors. They are used to because they are visited by the whole world. I don't know how many nationalities visit the region of uh, Centre Loire, but it's very big. So otherwise, uh, uh, just the beauty of the region, you just feel like taking a bike, well, maybe an e-bike, because a bike, <laughs> you need to be a bit sportive too. But whatever, I mean, and go from one hill to the other one just to uh, contemplate uh, the, um, the 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 view uh, from the top of uh, uh, the hill of Sancerre, for example, or from the top of the damped mountain. The views are just uh, amazing. Uh, you can walk uh, through the vineyard. You can visit some uh, uh, tasting room. And we are very spoiled with the gastronomy. We have plenty of those restaurants. You know, Yannick was talking about the pairing with food. But even if it's four o'clock in the afternoon and you have ride your bicycle for two hours, you just feel like having a piece of goat cheese together with a good Sauvignon Blanc from Les Cayotes, from uh, the chalky soil. You know, and then you go down because you're warm. You need to go down to the Loire River to swim a little bit. Uh, and then you sleep a bit because you're tired of the whole trip <laughs> <laughs> through the, the hillside. So that's exactly, you know, the lifestyle that uh, we can offer to the visitors. Uh, knowing Fantastic. that uh, uh, it's very easy. Only two hours from Paris uh, and uh, people really uh, are happy to um go down. We actually received uh, at the beginning of uh, last week visitors from America they didn't want to go. And uh, believe me <laughs> or not, in Sancerre, we have more and more a population made of Americans. They bought houses, you know, they love so much, they fell in love with the region. Fantastic. Well, that sounds lovely. Uh, I'm going to get to work on planning that vacation. Uh, <laughs> I definitely am going to need the e-bike. Uh, but uh, I want to say thanks so much to both Yannick uh, and to Arno for taking this time with us to helping us kind of understand this uh, really exciting and dynamic region in France, the Central Loire. And gentlemen, thank you both so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Zach. Thank you very much, Yannick. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits.
So the Vine Pair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington, in Zach Jabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire Vine Pair staff and everyone who's been involved in making Vine Pair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.